Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Hey everyone, welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast. Today we actually have a special episode and we'll have a guest host. This guest host it will be Brad Vonick. Brad is a MBA alum from University of Texas McCombs Business School, and he has guest hosted on the MBA Insider Show before, someone who I respect very deeply and love handing over the reins to. And so in this episode, Brad interviews his friend and classmate, Greg Lebanowski, who also is a Texas McCombs MBA alum. Greg has always had a passion and interest in sports. And Brad and Greg talk a little bit about Greg's journey to business school, as well as building a career in sports. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Uh, so please listen in. Okay. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Brad Vonick, and I'm a 2020 McCombs MBA grad. I'm playing guest host for the day, and today I'm thrilled to be here with Greg Lebanowski, a Texan living in the Pacific Northwest and a 2022 grad from the University of Texas McComb School of Business. He's currently a strategy and portfolio manager at Nike, and we met through a consulting project together when Greg was beginning his time at McCombs and I was ending mine. Business school certainly changes you, but even from that first day, I admired his passion and his story. So I'm thrilled to talk with Greg about McCombs, his shoe collection, and how his personal life in sports has really helped him succeed in the professional world of sports. So Greg, thanks for joining today. We always start the show with a warm-up question. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about your path to McCombs and beyond and how you've designed your career? Yeah, for sure. Well, first, thanks, Brad, for having me. Uh, you know how I, I feel about you. You were such a, a huge part of my kind of journey and path to McCombs and have been such a great friend and source of support. So I appreciate you having me on on the podcast. The one thing I, I guess I've, I've always known is that I wanted to work in sports. Uh, your question, like, I don't know that my career was by design. It's, it's more one of those things where like one step led to another, and then you kind of look back and can connect the dots. I, I do feel like kind of through each step I learned as I went and I kind of helped use that to inform the next, the next step. But I would say just always trying to be in like that learning environment where I could fail and learn from it is really how I've designed it. I mean, my, my background is born and raised in Houston, Texas, definitely a loyal Houston sports fan, especially the Rockets. I'm one of six kids. I have four older brothers and one younger sister kind of come from like a sports family. All my brothers played basketball growing up. I did tennis I went to USC, Southern Cal, and wanted to really be involved kind of outside of class with the tennis program. So I had this awesome role there as, as the, the manager of the team, but also got to like live with the team, work out with them, travel with them, practice with them. We won the, the 2014 NCAA National Championship. So I do have a, a, an NCAA ring, which is a, kind of my claim to fame. And it was definitely like my first time working with product and equipment. I'm sure we'll get into like that, that piece in Nike later. But yeah, I was a business major there, worked for the U.S. Tennis Association after college in player development, working with men's professionals, traveling with them, going to the Grand Slams, a lot of travel, really great experience. And then 
that was more sort of like an operations sort of role, I guess I would call it. Really wanted to get into more sports business. So I uh, went and worked for a, a company called Premier Partnerships based out of Santa Monica, kind of in business development for them. And then like a lot of people wanted to you know, figure out a way to sort of accelerate my career in, in sports and sports business. So did the MBA, graduated from McCombs just like you. And yeah, first uh, summer of business school, I was, a, I was an intern at, at Nike and now I'm back in strategy and portfolio. So that's, that's sort of my path, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say totally by design. It, it's funny when you, you think about that transition and it doesn't sound by design, but at the same time, it, it does, right? Because you, you wanted to be involved. You, you had your first, your first aspect that you knew of. And so you dove into that and then you were on the operations side and then you recognized what was missing, which was more of that business background and kind of continued to round out your, your career, your resume, if you will. And Business school is obviously a big component of that. You mentioned that sports has always been on your radar, not just as a fan, but also professionally. So obviously, Nike, I'm sure, has also always been on your radar, as it has for many of us. What from your time at McCombs do you think really helped prepare you for Nike, whether it's skills or experiences or anything along those lines? Yeah, great question. We think I mean there's a couple that, that come to mind. The first the first and most obvious one I would say, I would just call like very kind of a lot of and quick reps in being presented a business problem, being able to efficiently cut through to sort of the root cause of that problem at hand, despite I don't know, a, a lot of ambiguity and probably data information overload, and then being able to propose a solution that, that, you know, other people can digest that they can understand and then kind of get behind and align to, and then being able to sell through that, that solution really influence. I mean, that, that would be the first one. You just get a lot of those, you probably hear a lot of bad sports metaphors from me today, but just a lot of those kind of quick reps are just, you know, at bats with that. I would say that would be number one. Number two is just, I learned a lot from my classmates way more than I thought I would throughout the, the MBA program. I mean, I came from LA, I came from sports, you know, everyone comes from their specific sort of world and brings their own perspective, but I, I got to spend a lot of time and build relationships with people from a diversity of backgrounds. There was that diversity of thought and of you know work experience, and I, I just found there to be a lot of really interesting people in my class, and really got to learn from them. I feel like that definitely helped me in Nike. I would say, I mean, two more maybe, Brad. You know, not necessarily all Macombs, but like international experience. When I was working for the USTA, I was on the road in foreign countries, you know, working with in teams and with teams and that sort of international experience at a global company like Nike really helped. You know, my internship project was really around three key territories for them, Japan, Korea, and Mexico. So having that background helped. And then the last thing I would say, you can't really learn it in business school, but just like passion for the brand, passion for product. I mean, you know me, I'm a huge sneakerhead. I love I'm on the sneakers app. I'm at, you know, Nice Kicks or Shoe Palace in Austin after class. I just, I follow the brand very closely as a consumer. So while kind of internally, it's it's very different at Nike. I feel like having that 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 background as a as a consumer and a lover of, of, of the product definitely helped me out at Nike. I can't believe a Houston native made a baseball reference a day after the Astros won the World Series and you didn't even give a shout out yet. Yeah, so, shout out to the Astros. Shout out to the Astros for sure. We took down the 
That was an awesome series. It was so much fun to watch. I'm, I'm bummed. The, the parade was today. I missed the parade. I've always wanted to go to one, but maybe when the Rockets get that title, I can go to that one. Yeah, and I mean, for for many who are aware in, in the business world, it, it was in everyone's best interest that the Phillies did did not come through. If you don't look up the, the Phillies financial crisis or Philadelphia financial crisis curse, I, you were talking about a little bit of, you know, what you're doing after class and how you're spending your time. And, and I speak about this, a lot of things in life is it's all about a balance. Can, can you talk a little bit about how you tried to balance your time during the MBA program? Because it's, it's definitely an exercise. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, it was, it was more on the try to balance and, and like test and learn as you go. You know, I do love routine, tough to get into routine in business school, I'd say. So first semester for me was like master the fundamentals and really diving into the recruiting. So like master the fundamentals being just like those core curriculum classes, working on those and then sort of coupling that with like, you know, applications for, for internships, coffee chats, interview prep, all that. I mean, that's really, that was the bulk of the first semester. I would say second semester, second year was more. I had the Nike offer at that point for the internship. So it was like internship prep, you know, some technical skills, but I would say more focused on the communication skills and the presentation skills and kind of getting ready for what was to come that summer. Second year was different. People talk about the the second year of the NBA very differently. I mean, I got so much out of the second year. I loved the second year of the NBA. It just got tremendous amount of value out of it. it. It, it let me sort of like, lean into to areas that were of interest. Like I took a sports law class in the law school at UT. I did some case competitions outside of UT, like one at UCLA. We, we put on this big sports business event with two of my two of my friends in the program, James Fairmont, Garrett Lay, that was really great. And then there was just all the relationship building with, you know, tried out a bunch of Texas barbecue. We organized like a taco marathon. We played poker. Like the, it was really like the relationships and the spending time with, with classmates and friends that, that made the second year so memorable. But but I would say back to like the balancing question, it, it was more of a trying to balance. I mean, you're always trying to get into routine. It's just things are always changing. Schedules are always changing. You're, you're, you you want to go after every opportunity that you can that makes sense during that that two-year MBA program. So I, I feel like the one thing that I'll say is like the time, man, you know, the output of all of that is like great time management skills, which helps during the internship, which, which helps, you know, in your full-time because it's 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 a big big juggling act. Yeah, I I totally agree. I know when I was joining McCombs and did some informational chats at the beginning, and I, I talked to now a friend of mine, Lucera Perez, and she had the great idea, which is when you get to campus, whatever campus that is, right? You list your top three priorities of business school, and all of your decisions you make based on that, that becomes your North star, right? So if it is to get the best job or to 4.0 GPA for whatever reason, whatever it might be, that makes your decision, it helps you make those decisions when it's, should I go out and be social or should I stay in? Or should I do this case competition or this student org? So I think that was something that helped me, keyword again is try to, to balance. But I, I think it's just really important to know that coming in, you're not going to be able to perfect that. There's no way to. And just kind of, as you said, testing and learning and, and figuring out what works best for you. 
So switching a little bit away from McCombs a little bit, you are extremely passionate about tennis. Can you talk a little bit about how you got into the game? Where was that passion born? Why tennis? You know, why not basketball like all your brothers and maybe sister? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, why not basketball? Because I was terrible at basketball. That's one reason why not basketball. <laughs> and another reason, just like the height didn't really do much for me. But yeah, I got into tennis from a young age. I mean, like a lot of people, I just my I think my older brothers were taking lessons. I kind of tagged along for that. So that was kind of the playing piece. But the 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 professional side of the sport was there's a there's a pro tournament in Houston that I was lucky that my parents took me to when I was a kid. And that was like the first time around pro tennis. I mean, like just when you see high performing athletes and the physicality and you see that up close, it's just for me, it was it was amazing. And like I remember watching that and I was the kid who was like, you know, up at 3 a.m., you know, watching the Australian Open in the middle of the night. Like I just, I, I grew up just loving tennis, loving playing tennis, but also just a real passion for for professional tennis. But yeah, like played a lot of junior tennis growing up, like a lot of kids. And I just got, you know, really lucky with like getting closer and closer to the sport as I got older. I did, my, my high school has this thing called interim term where you do like a three-week internship during your senior year. So I got to go to the Australian Open with someone who's become, just an incredible mentor of mine. His name's Justin Gimmelstab. So that was a great experience. Got the the role at USC to just totally immerse myself in humble brag, but the the winningest college program of all time. That was a, a, a you know, very fortunate, very lucky to get in there. Did that, and then got to work with John Isner during the the summers of my undergrad experience. My friend Justin was was coaching him at the time, so I got to travel on tour with John, and then more time on tour when I was working for the USTA. So. That's kind of how it it all started, but I would say it was like a raw, just like most people with with pro sports, it was like a raw passion. I was a huge fan as a kid. I still am a huge fan of the sport, but just got really lucky to get these amazing mentors and opportunities along the way. And it was just like I feel like very quickly it went from being a kid watching the Australian Open in the middle of the night to like you know in the Wimbledon locker room and seeing like Roger Federer walk around. Like it was. I just got very lucky to be up close and, and personal and see kind of the, the, the sport at, at a, at a very deep level. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when you get those opportunities, sometimes it's right time, right place, but other times it's, you're putting yourself out there. You have the passion, you're making some of these things happen. So it definitely says something about you too. It's not that all these just kind of fell into your lap. Thanks for saying that, by the way. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm also going to put in a quick to say that at my funeral. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll write that one down. Both of my alma maters being the University of Texas and Wake Forest University also having wonderful tennis programs. The two playing each other in the national championship in, I think, 2019. Both of, both of the... The teams on on my end kind of got USC that year, but anyway, that's uh that's not something we'll talk about in this podcast. But actually, some of the learnings and takeaways. This is actually a great transition that was not planned. Is what do you think? And, and I have thoughts on this too, right? As tennis is to you, I'm also a passionate golfer in the professional side as well. And there's a lot of lessons that come from the game. So, what what do you think is the best lesson that sports teaches? that can be applied to business or someone's career? Great question. You think about like common traits for success in, in business, or I mean, really in just life. I just, they're all in tennis and it's, 
hard work, pain, you know, being organized, self-discipline, relationships, communication, people. I mean, how do you deal with your emotions and, and manage your emotions, you know, taking care of your body, taking care of your mind, like all, all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's, there's accountability and problem solving and work ethic, repetition. It's just, I, I feel like so many lessons are in there and it's like, it's also at the same time, it's like being able to buy into the idea that like success is not always linear and, and it's dealing with failure and dealing with pressure and competing and being able to like take that all and process it all. I feel like all of that translates tennis uniquely just in, in it being an individual sport. Like there's no, there's no one to blame the loss on. There's, there's no teammate that didn't pass you the ball. There's no coach who didn't, you know, give you enough playing time. It's like, if you lose in tennis, it's because the other guy was better plain and simple. But I, I feel like out of that comes like creativity and, and wanting to, you know, the ability to like go against the grain to get creative and, and find a way to win and, and finding a way to get better. Like that, that conventional sort of safe play doesn't always work in tennis. And it's like being able to swim upstream. You know, I, I feel like maybe specifically for me, maybe an example of that is like USC. I wanted to play college tennis. I wanted to play at a, at a great school. Wasn't nearly, nearly good enough to play at USC. No chance. That was a time where I feel like used a, a lesson from tennis. I could have been stubborn there and said, you know, I want to be a player, but I didn't. I, I kind of recognized, hey, I'm not good enough. I, there was self-evaluation, reestablished goals. And I feel like I was able to accomplish many of them. And, and for me, that was being the manager, but also being, you know, deeply involved with the team and, and with the guy. So I, I could go all day about this one, but there, there's certainly, I'm partial to tennis, but, but certainly, certainly a lot in tennis that, that definitely translates to, to business and just to life. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I, I was actually kind of curious if, if you were considering playing in another school or di different division or D1 in another program and kind of what made you choose USC anyway. So, I mean, you answered that one right there. It's, I, I'm pretty impressed. That's a lot of maturity at age 18 to be able to make some of those decisions and, and kind of have that realization because there's obviously so many great college athletes and it's not necessarily giving up on the dream per se, but it's almost recognizing what other avenues are there, what other ways that I can be involved in sports. And, and I was talking with someone about this the other day. Yes, you can go work for a team, you can work for a league, but there are also a lot of companies out there, big businesses that aren't sports companies, but have a big presence, right? You, you think about like, Coca-Cola and, and uh, I mean, a great example is Visa, right? With the Olympics and the World Cup. And so there are other ways to kind of be involved in sports without having to just go down that linear route as a player or perhaps working for a, a team or league. Yeah. I mean, like one thing I'll just say on that is it, it's, it's, it sounds great, but like it wasn't all me being, you know, grown up, mature, Greg, at that age, there was, first of all, like I said, it was a lot of mentors, a lot of, a lot of people that kind of, I think the one thing that I've really benefited from is a lot of tough love and a lot of people just telling me like, Hey, like, this is how it is. You should think about this. And it's not, again, it's not like giving up on your dream or anything like that. It's just like shifting and changing and adjusting. And if you, if you do that, you can still accomplish a lot of your goals. You can still get an NCAA ring, but it may just look different. So it wasn't it wasn't like every time it was me perfectly uh, changing and and adjusting, but but rather it was it was with the the help and support of a lot of very close friends and mentors and and, and people like that. And 
still relying on them today. And I'm sure I still have many of those situations coming up. So, yeah. And I, I mean, just to recap, I really love the idea of success, not always being linear. I think that happens. There are a lot of people who were very successful in high school and then they got to college and then they become in a different boat or you have a lot of success in college and then your early years. And I mean, as it relates to this podcast, right, there are a lot of people, once you get to business school and and you're at a top MBA program, a very competitive program where you meet a lot of people who hadn't really experienced much professional failure before. And so I think there are a lot of people who it was a a big learning experience of they didn't get everything they want like they had in in their past. And that's kind of where that theme comes in, right? Is it's not just linear to to get to where you want to be and not just in terms of it's a roller coaster, but it's also not linear in terms of there's not just one path to get to where you want to be. Totally. I mean... Again, I told you at the beginning, it's going to be a lot of corny metaphor, corny sports metaphors. Those Tiger Woods, like number one in the world, and didn't he like completely rebuild his one of his strokes or his golf swing or something like that? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of times you have to take a couple steps back to go to go forward, or, or one step back to go two steps forward. So it's it's yeah, I've that can be tough, but I feel like if that you know that kind of comes down to process, like the process of daily improvement, of getting better every day, of, of working hard and accepting failure and all that. So, but yes, I have again with the help of a lot of people, I am a big believer in success is is definitely not always always linear, and and being able to have that again easier easier said than done, easier to talk about it, tougher to to execute and be on the the receiving end of that. But it's it's so true, Brad. Good shout out to to Tiger and and the memory there. I think that was in, it was like 2002, three, four. It was kind of early. It was after the the Tiger Slam when he had all four majors at once, which tennis and golf, one thing in common, right? Is there's the four majors, there's the four pinnacle events, but maybe thinking about success beyond sports, just professionally for you, how, how do you measure professional success? I mean, it's tough to say that at like 27, I have the perfect answer to this. I, I feel like I don't necessarily see a different professional success, different from just overall life success, because the two are just so intertwined. And I'll also say, you know, some might say oh, it's not about, you know, money or salary or, you know, job title or whatever. Like I, without a doubt, like I am ambitious. I want to make money and provide for my family. But but I also, I, I feel like that isn't it's not zero sum. You, you can have that and you can also have other things that are in that, that mix. Like a lot of people, I mean, me, especially it's like, I, I want to work for a company I believe in. I want to work with, you know, people who I respect, you know, a job that fulfills me and, and one that I enjoy, I, I guess to answer it's, it's kind of like, what's the difference between a job and a career? Like careers, like you look at the big picture, you want to accomplish something. You want to be, like I said, you know, part of a company or, or an improvement or an approach. Like it's more of like a, it's, I guess really like a vocation, like something you want to put your soul and your blood and, and passion into. You know, you hear about people talk about like a passion project. Like I, I do feel like my career is like a big passion project. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that's all like, you know, cookies and lemonade. It doesn't mean it's not hard or stressful. I mean, it's just, it's, but it's different when you're, when you're pursuing it as a real passion versus I guess a, a job is more transactional. It is more like I want to buy this house or make this salary. I, I guess also it's like, you know, the, the difference really is like, you know, the journey versus the destination, like destination has like a time clock. 
It's like, I'm trying to get to this finite point in time for journey is just being present, trying to maximize every single day. I, I would also maybe just to finish is I feel like so much of it is too, just like the impact on the people that you can have around you and, and bringing them up and building them up. No one's going to care at the end of the day, what your, what your title or salary was like, it's totally meaningless. It, it's, it's like, who did you help? Who did you lift up based on the situations that you were put in and the, the areas in which you were placed? There, there's more to go into on that, but that's, that's definitely something that I'm, I'm passionate about. Yeah. I, I feel like what I really liked about what you said were a few things. One that lends into what could be a whole nother conversation on management and leadership and kind of how you conduct yourself, either uh, conduct yourself in a group that you're working on a project with or someone who you're not working on a project with, but they're just an employee or they're another McCombs alum or USC alum or whatever it might be. I also think about it as beyond just the financials or other aspects, but it, it's a weighted formula, right? I mean, everyone, everyone is, it's going to be different for, for each person. Some people, the, the salary for various reasons might be essential and that might be, need to be the number one driver. For other people, it's work-life balance. For other people, it's, I mean, we don't need to dive into that. That's something that every business and life podcast since COVID has brought up, right? But I do think it varies per person. And I think you're like me where we both need to have a job that we're passionate about and, and waking up every day and doing something that excites us versus just something to, this is my work day to provide for me to enjoy the other hours of my day. Totally. And, and again, not that that's like not respectable or admirable, like, and not everyone is, is fortunate enough or is put in the position to where they get to wake up and pursue the career that they've always wanted to every day. Like I was really lucky. I had great parents. I had opportunity, access to education, like all those different things. There's a lot of people out there who have had none of that stuff. So I try to keep that in mind every day. And it's like, you know, the, the, the gratefulness and the, uh, the appreciation for all that, just to be able to have the ability to go, you know, work at a company like Nike or even to, to get after a career that you're passionate about is something that's not to be taken for granted because not everyone has that. Yeah. The gratitude piece. I mean, I think it's especially COVID is a time where everyone reflects about what they were grateful about. And business school is also a time where I think a lot of people really figure out who they're becoming as as an adult and who they truly are. We're, we're adults, but a lot of people go to business school in their 20s or, or early 30s. And that's a very important time in your life. You're transitioning in many ways, maybe in a career, maybe not, maybe location, maybe not, relationship status, other things. So I think it's pretty important to, to have that perspective. So after going into a very deep question like that, we can go into a more yeah. fun one, which is... Lighten it up yeah, a little yeah. bit. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about Nike because that's always a, a, a good segue. Which pair of Nikes do you think, because you are a sneakerhead, which pair of Nikes best represents you as a person and why? Mm, you know, I it's funny. I've actually been asked that question for it. So 
thought uh, so it's a cool. common icebreaker question at Nike. It's a common icebreaker question at Nike. So I, I'm, I feel like I'm almost prepped for this one. So it would be the Space Hippie 03. If I, I don't know if like if people know about Space Hippie, it's a really cool shoe. The majority of it is made from recycled materials, so it's it's sustainable. And it's it's certainly an an innovative shoe just from like the product side, like how they how they make it. I guess I like to think I'm innovative, but at the same time, it's also like a, it's a very in-demand high heat product. Like it sold out immediately. You would not be able to go just buy it off the shelf right now at a Nike store or Nike.com. And it kind of has like a, a very, the silhouette on it is very sort of like futuristic and like really cool marketing around it. I, I remember mine, it came in like a, it's called one box, but basically instead of having a, a shoe box inside of a, a cardboard box, it just comes, you know, your package shows up just one single box and it says like this is trash on it or like trash transformed so i would say yeah space hippie 03 the high top i like that i know i was i was trying to figure out where you were going and sorry you're like well it's it's recycled material and i'm like waiting for the the transition here that's kind of bummer i thought that was a more creative question but no that was a good one that that was a good one and and I remember like my, my fun fact in McCombs is always uh, I'm one of six kids or I'm a sneakerhead. And I remember like on one of my first days at Nike, like it was like, what's your fun fact? And it's like, I'm a sneakerhead. And it was like the most common fact at Nike. It's like everyone here is a sneakerhead. So I, I had to come up with a, with a new one. But yeah, I've gotten that, that as an icebreaker before. What's your, what's your favorite shoe and why, or what, what shoe describes you? So that was a good like one. That. Well, I still thought it was better than what I've got in an interview, which was ice cream flavor. Or or some of the Ooh, other ones. Gosh, I'd have to think about that one. Shout out to Salt and Straw Ice Cream, which is a Portland ice cream company. is It's based in Portland. People actually talk a lot about ice cream at Nike. I would say, believe it or not, this is like ice cream coffee shop kind of like city in place. Hmm, I like that. I'm trying to remember when I went out there a year and a half ago. I'm sure we had ice cream at some point, but anyway, I I think. We have time for one more question. This has been fun. This has been really informative. Thanks for the time. I I think just to to wrap up, you've obviously been doing pretty well so far. What have been some of your guiding principles or values that, that really helped you, not just during the MBA, but actually more importantly, I'm going to change this question a little bit, specifically kind of during your time since graduation, which which hasn't been that long. You take two years off if you're doing the full-time program and you forget certain things about the workplace. I mean, we just hit daylight savings and you take COVID plus business school and I haven't commuted home in the dark in like four and a half years. So what are you thinking kind of these early stages at at Nike have, have really helped as your guiding principles? Yeah. Guiding principles. So number one would just be like relationships, like building relationships, cultivating relationships. Like there is no more significant source of happiness for me in my life than investing in time with people and in relationships with people. I mean, that would, that would definitely be number one. I, I would say like trying to take the approach of just like learn it all, not know it all. And that could relate to Nike or supply chain or sports or leadership, just being in that kind of trying to learn and improve and get better every single day. That would be another one. And then the last one I would say is just like giving myself permission to fail, but but learning from it every single time. 
because you know you're going to mess up like adversity is going to hit things aren't going to go well and and looking at that and having the mindset like that's a good thing that means you might actually learn something today so corny corny sportsman you you're not going to pitch a perfect game like you're not going to bat a thousand like sometimes many times especially when you're surrounded by smart highly motivated successful people like batting 300 is great that that's success but you're going to hit bumps and get bruises and broken bones along the way but like they always say like it, broken bones, if healed properly, actually come back stronger. So just being in a, in a place and in, in, in an area where I, there's opportunity to grow and develop and to get feedback and, and just learn would, would probably probably be the last one. I mean, rarely, I think about like my experiences, like rarely have I learned much when things are going really well or, or when things are just going great. Like I, I generally have learned more and, and kind of can look back, I guess, and reflect a little bit on the times where I grow and develop the, the, the most are times of adversity and, and times where things don't go well. So yeah, those, those would be them, but uh, it's a good question. Well, I also feel like, I mean, it's easier said than done, but because in the moment it's your world, but the adversity 99 times out of a hundred, it's adversity that you're going to be just fine, right? Like don't sweat what might seem like something big still in the long run, either is not big or it's actually big in a positive way because it shows you something, it makes you see a different perspective, it, it whatever it might be. So I think some of those principles are are really important, and I think the relationship aspect is is obviously key. And and I think most people in the, who go to business school recognize that, and most people who don't go to business school also recognize that. So. Thanks so much for the time, Greg, and, and for the insights. I will make sure that we can get kind of some of those sponsors in the shout outs with Space Hippie and the ice cream shop so we can get some good press for them too. There you go. Nike and Salt and Straw. Thanks, Brad, for having me. All right. Have a good one. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.